Welcome into this edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. My name is Kalen Jones, and I'm alongside Chris Cartman, site publisher. How are you doing, Chris? Happy New Year, Kalen. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Uh, excited to bring you another year of ASU football, basketball, recruiting, baseball coverage on the website. Yeah, looking forward to it. And again, you can check us out at sundevilsource.com as we move into 2018. But to end the 2017 year, Chris, uh, you were in El Paso to catch the Sun Devils Sun Bowl matchup against North Carolina State. Um, It was the final game of the Todd Graham era, and it ended up in a defeat. Uh, The Sun Devils ended up losing 52-31 to against the Wolfpack. Todd Graham finished 46-32 and uh, during his ASU tenure, including two and three in bowl games. Um, the defeat was kind of similar to what we've seen. That's just in the Pac-12. Oh, right? that's just in the Pac-12? No, that's total. 78 games in okay. six seasons. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, it, as I was getting to, like it, it's kind of similar to what um, previous head coaches at ASU have gone through uh, in their final game. Bruce Snyder in 2000, he was fired and then ended up losing the Aloha Bowl to uh, Boston College, 31-17. Dirk Cutter in 2006, uh, lost 41-24 to to Hawaii in the Aloha Bowl after being fired. And then Dennis Erickson in 2011 uh, lost the Las Vegas Bowl, 56-24 to against Boise State. I remember all those games too well, Kalen. Um, <laughs> ASU... Looked had a very poor effort in that 2000 Aloha Bowl. I remember Bruce Snyder um, g- you know, first going out. Then I remember uh, Dirk Cutter's trip to Hawaii that mm-hmm. also went really poorly against against Hawaii. Uh, I was there in person for Dennis Erickson's last game in Las Vegas, which was uh, a very predictable demolition at the hands of Boise State. And then we did predict that ASU would lose to NC State last week in the Sun Bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, Didn't think there would be quite as many points scored on the board. It kind of got loose and wild there at the end with the the 42-point fourth quarter. Um, Really kind of up until that, the game went reasonably close to expectations that I had. Can't say that I'm surprised. I, uh, I, I think if not for the coaching transition and firing of Todd Graham that would have been a much more competitive game probably a really good game and I think it would have been a almost like a toss-up situation but uh, there was just way too much going on uh, after that firing of Graham and, and some of the changes that took place subsequently to reasonably expect ASU to have a strong performance yeah and you mentioned it and Todd Graham actually alluded to it after the matchup um, saying that the obstacles that they had to overcome you know with the fact that he was fired the kind of awkwardness I guess going through bowl practices uh, but he didn't want to use it as an excuse after the game he made sure that he didn't but uh, going into the matchup there were some things that were different with Billy Napier not being there um, taking the head coaching job over at uh, Louisiana Lafayette uh, instead they had Dave Christensen uh, and you know, calling plays with Todd Graham. And on that first series, you know, it looked promising, and then it kind of flattened out throughout the rest of the, the game. So my analogy is it's kind of like you're, you're, you're flying a commercial plane, and you got your, your pilot and your co-pilot and your engineers and, and, and your, your flight attendant crew and everything like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, for the very first time ever, um, you know, doing it together, you 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 lose a couple of those key people, mm. and then to expect that you're not going to have some de- degradation, some degrading 
of your um, your your overall operational process. And I think Manny Wilkins obviously had his worst game of the season, just in terms mm-hmm. of throwing three interceptions. At least two of those were really his his fault. Right. The one that was. I would say most costly was the one on first down into the end zone into double coverage off his back foot. Everything Mm -hmm. about that was wrong after a sudden change. Um, And, and, and that's not having Billy Napier on the sidelines with you. You know, you, 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 you take Napier, not just away from your program, but, but uh, you know, out of um, the equation altogether. And then you put Dave Christensen who hasn't, been in a coaching role all season, even though he's been an analyst with ASU. You move him into the box and you have him calling plays. It just totally changes everything in that cockpit that that uh, for the, the ASU offense. Um, and then, of course, the the, the defensive um, problems that have plagued ASU over the last few years reared their head again. Mm-hmm. You can't really say that, that that's unexpected. I thought, as I wrote in my... Uh, game story it was sort of a fitting ending uh, because you had Tagaram's career was basically undermined by defensive failings and ability to tackle, get stops, give up big plays, and all that. And those things were on display. I think uh, the run game was 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 porous, and and they did a poor job. And not having Christian Sam was a, a factor in that. Mm-hmm. But then there was a number of other variables, of course, um, including uh, George Lee not playing in the game, and and um, it just seemed like uh, ASU just didn't didn't uh, have it all together there, Kalen, and can't say that we're surprised. And and even though there were more points on the board than I anticipated, um, I fully did expect that ASU wasn't going to be able to have enough juice there to win that game. Yeah, and you you mentioned it. Christian Sam didn't play. Uh, we reported before the game started the reason why he didn't play was because he is expected to head to the NFL draft. Yeah, so what Christian Sam has told people really close to him is that he's uh, decided not to play in the game, that he's going to go pro. Now, um, you never can be 100% sure because guys have time to change their minds, right? Right. You could make a decision and then you could get new information or you can think about it and maybe maybe make another decision. Uh, But... uh, very solidly, we can say that Christian Sam has told people close to him that uh, his plan is to leave ASU and enter the NFL draft this coming season. Now, Christian Sam, in a lot of the early sort of you know forecasting of the NFL draft, mm-hmm. isn't expected to be anything other than a fringe late round prospect. Right. Um, he would have to really improve his stock with pro day and, and um, you know, maybe some uh, interviews, meetings with some of these teams and things of that nature. I think that uh, what I said on Twitter was that I think it was a mistake for him to not play in the bowl game. Yeah. Um, two reasons for that. Number one is that when you play in a bowl game and you're the only team really going, every, all the eyes are on you. So you actually have a chance to improve your stock in a mm-hmm. bowl game, probably even more than you did in all the other games Prior to that, it's also the the last film that you're going to put out there before team. So that's typically going to be watched even more. Yeah. Uh, and then and then the other reason is because, um, what 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 is the harm in exactly. in doing it? Yeah. it? It's an all upside thing. <laughs> there's no real downside when you're already a fringe candidate. Um, there's only a benefit to doing so, and you run the risk. Quite frankly, Kalen, is um, you run the risk of giving the impression that you're not a 
uh, a grinder yeah, type like of a, 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 a person, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and what, uh, what a lot of, you know, I, I know a number of scouts and, and uh, some people that work in the front office at the NFL level. And, and uh, one of the things that they talk about and former players too, the former executives, they say that um, the most important thing is somebody who's ready every game. You know, you have injuries, you have distractions, you have things going on in your life, and those things are able to be put on a shelf, and you are out there reliably every every game. You know, and when you you know Christian Sand, he missed the season due to a high ankle it's sprain, which people around the situation said that they thought he could have come back and played mm. in the second half of that season, or that or that maybe maybe he couldn't have. But at a minimum, that other guys with the same injury, same grade of sprain, would back. have been able to come back. Mm. So what you do is you look at that, and and keep in mind, NFL scouts, front office people, they're going to background Christian mm-hmm. Sam thoroughly, yeah. and they're going to ask people that coached him, what do you think about his ability to push through injuries and other distractions and challenges, and the fact that he didn't play in the bowl and all and all those things. Yeah. And what they're going to hear is something that doesn't leave them extraordinarily confident about about his ability to push through those sorts of things right. that's in, that's invariably going to be the case anytime that this sort of a dynamic happens and so even though christian sam led the pac-12 in tackles and is somebody that we have talked about for multiple years right. as uh one of the asu's best pro prospects and i personally believe he can play an inside linebacker position in the NFL. Um, I think he has the size and, and overall range and ability to do that. But um, but these are some 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 headwinds now that he's going to have to battle. And I, I think that it probably would have been better for him to come back and play and show an even higher level of assignment soundness and and, yeah. uh, and versatility of his game and, and, and those kinds of things when, you're, when he's forecast to be where he is. But let's also at the same time say he got his degree uh, he's been here four years, right? He graduated in what three and a half years mm-hmm. from from ASU, um, or is it four and a half? It's three and a half. Three and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's really impressive, right? Yeah. So um, so you know, I give him credit, and at the same time, I, I doesn't mean necessarily that you think that he, everything that he did was 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 the right decision for him. Yeah. It'll be inter. Well, there you go. It'll, it yeah. literally it really will be interesting. It will be interesting to, to see, see where yeah, how Christian he how he ends up, whether yeah. or not he's selected because I, I don't know how many prospects ASU has going into this draft, not too many. Um in in his replacement, uh Kalen Thomas started in his place during the bowl game. He made seven total tackles, had a sack, but you could still tell that ASU missed him dearly uh yeah. against North Carolina State. Yeah, Kalen Thomas though did have some nice plays. Remember that one uh A gap pressure that he got to the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's an athletic kid, very sudden like for him. a linebacker. Mm-hmm. I think he's I think he can play inside or outside. Um, when you transition to this new scheme that Danny Gonzalez is going to run with San Diego State, they have more of an outside linebacker position as opposed to the spur. Mm-hmm. And I think he may be able to also play that outside linebacker position because it's not really used as just a pure pass rush. It's more of a versatile you know piece against pass and run mm-hmm. and sometimes pressuring. And so. I think Kalen Thomas is is the type of piece that really fits in well, and he's got to mature a little bit more and and and, and be an everyday guy in terms of practice and mental approach and all that stuff. But he he does have 
the makings of somebody who can play very successfully in the Pac-12. Yeah, and he did play pretty well. Uh, second on the team in tackles, J.J. Wilson actually led the game with career-high 13 tackles. Career-high, second most ever in the Sun Bowl. He had six tackles in the first two series of the game, yeah. uh, which was pretty amazing to yeah. see. He made a good impact. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the Wolfpack, their quarterback, Ryan Finley, uh, former Boise State transfer, went 24-29, uh, went for 318 yards in the touchdown. Um, ASU, they just didn't have an answer early on. They went down 21-3. to um, Then ahead of halftime, uh, the missed field goal where they could have drawn within uh, 15 points had uh, Brandon Reese hit a 43-yarder. And then the ASU in the second half found themselves down 31-10 to and really reeling to the point where they were kicking onside kicks uh, at, you know, ad nauseum, really. They were playing <laughs> playing chase up, uh, chase the whole the whole game, right, mm-hmm. from behind. Yeah. Um, you had uh, NC State's running back had three touchdowns in the first quarter yeah, of the game, runs, yeah. and then and then their first drive. Remember, they got to within the three or four yard line and went for it on a on a fake field goal mm-hmm. and didn't didn't even get it. So it could have even been uglier. ASU did have a couple opportunities there to kind of climb back into it, and make it a two score game, mm-hmm. and uh, shot itself in the foot and really really wasn't able to do that and. And then even kind of late when it was scrambling and, and whatever, but I, I never really felt like that was a, a game. Um, you know, the ASU really had a reasonable chance of winning. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it, it 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 was the versatility of NC State's offense, which we talked about in the yep. with Jalen Samuels, especially. Yeah, they J- Samuels. They they have um, one of the best all-purpose yardage players in the, in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Finley's a really solid, good quarterback. Um, they don't have that big play vertical thing that we talked about, mm-hmm. but they don't really need that. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty good team, and, and, and obviously they had a lot of continuity and, and things were going well for them, and they hadn't lost all season when they won the turnover battle, which ultimately proved. I mean, Kyle, Kyle Williams has been – the ASU hadn't had any players, yeah, receivers, players. or running backs yeah. give away fumbles all season. <laughs> Very first catch of the game for ASU, Kyle Williams – Fumbles the ball, yeah. and, and it was like a, a harbinger of things to come. Yeah, and North Carolina State's their their offensive dominance was on display, especially in the second half. They punted on their opening series, and then from that, they scored points on each of their next four drives to put it away. Fifth ended with the kneel down. Yeah, um, it, it, they had Kalen. NC State had one punt in the game. <laughs> ASU attempted what, four onside kicks mm-hmm. in the game. Um, it, that's a pretty bad sign that you're going to lose when, yeah. <laughs> when, that, when, when you have to try four onside kicks. Uh, ASU just really couldn't stop them. Um, and, that, and and just uh, the, 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 the offensive line had issues protecting Manny Wilkins. Um, it, 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 was a, it was a bad performance. And a lot of ASU fans saw that and they were like, oh, well, that's the reason further additional evidence that White Tigram should be fired. I don't really look at it like that. Mm-hmm. I think that was almost an inevitability. They were going to have a lot of problems in that game, given everything that had transpired. Well, uh, ASU fans can put it behind them, you know, starting now. Get on the train, the Herm train. <laughs> That's right, with Herm Edwards. Uh, Choo-choo. Yeah, get on the train. If <laughs> <laughs> you got no choice, right? You have to. If now. you're an ASU fan, you... you, you you're you, on board. You, yeah, you're on board. <laughs> You've got a lifetime ticket. Yeah, <laughs> well, they grabbed you and they, they snatched you <laughs> and, they, and they brought you on board the train. And now you're on it and, and you know... You can break an ankle trying to hop off or do whatever you want to do, but um, but we're going to still be around covering the heck out of it. 
Yeah, and we'll see how next year turns out. Uh, you actually had some news this morning, Chris, on uh, ASU further fleshing out its staff. Uh, David Turner, uh, Texas A&M's D-line coach for the past two seasons, uh, he's a candidate for ASU's opening at that yeah, spot. Yeah, I think he's he's a leading candidate. Uh, we can't report that he's been officially offered the job or anything like that at this point in time. Um, by the time people listen to this podcast, there may actually be an announced hire by ASU. Right. So, uh, but as we tape this on Tuesday morning, th- this is kind of what the situation is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've heard from a number of places that that um, that that it is Herm Edwards that's kind of been zeroing in uh, on Turner as his preferred choice, and um, and we'll see if that materializes uh, here in the next couple of days. Now, Turner. Uh, very extensive experience coaching in the SEC. He's been with six different programs. Never really stayed anywhere for a really long period of time there. But um, from the early indications of people that I've talked with who have actually worked with him on staff at a mm-hmm. couple of different schools, uh, the reviews have been very positive. People think that he's a pretty good teacher, knows the game at a high level. And uh, and so we'll see if that ends up uh, you know, being someone added to ASU staff here pretty pretty soon, I would say. Yeah, and you mentioned it earlier, Rocky Long, uh, the new defensive coordinator, or excuse me, not <laughs> excuse me, not the new defensive Danny Gonzalez, yeah. a disciple of Rocky Long Correct. from San Diego State, forgive me. Um, he's still forming his staff. That would be a good addition if you add Turner, but also uh, ASU is still waiting on uh, Tony White, San Diego State's secondary coach, who's uh, may or may not have an opportunity for promotion at San Diego State, but nonetheless, he's considered to be uh, a pretty solid recruiter. Yeah, we can't really penetrate what his thought process is from our reporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just heard that there is the potential for him to get a promotion and a raise at San Diego State that is leading to his his you know consideration of what is in his best interest. Um, that's kind of secondhand, and that's why we can't you know say that's our our reporting that's what's going on uh but that's sort of the scuttlebutt around around the situation but but what we can say is that asu offered him the 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 position uh to be its defensive backs coach and that he is a a well-regarded recruiter uh in the mountain west and somebody that has a lot of experience in southern california and would be a a good addition from that standpoint and that's really as as we've said here uh, quite a bit, Kalen, is is the goal of Ray Anderson and what they're trying to accomplish is to be better and more competitive recruiting Southern California, mm-hmm. knowing that's what needs to happen in order for ASU to have a chance to achieve the the goals that they've put forward. Yeah. Um, another key addition potentially to the staff or, I guess, retainment would be Sean Slocum. Um, from everything that we're hearing, suggests that he'll be retained as a special teams coach. Yeah. I, um, he's been very involved, from to my understanding, with Herm Edwards on the vetting of other candidates and in, in sort of uh, the the philosophical conversation about who should be hired at ASU and why. And um, uh, I don't know that he, what I've heard is that he may not actually coach a offensive or defensive position. There's a possibility that he only coaches special teams. Uh, of course, there's also the, the, the prospects of the NCAA adding a 10th assistant coach. Uh, in the next year, which I think we'll find out about um, by the spring. So if they do that, then maybe ASU goes with one special teams and mm-hmm. then five defensive and four offensive coaches. 
or maybe even vice versa. That's, that's what they're going to have to decide. Do they want to bring in somebody for just tight ends? Right. Do they want to bring in somebody who's another defensive? Like some 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 teams have two defensive line coaches or two linebackers coaches, obviously, mm-hmm. two secondary coaches. You know, something something like that. So well, th- those are kind of you know questions that remain to be answered here in the next in the coming months. Um, but yeah, I, I I would say at this point that in addition, we know that Rob Likens is staying. Obviously, right. we know that John Simon is staying. Obviously, as running backs coach, mm-hmm. Likens the the new offensive coordinator. He was receivers coach. He's going to coach quarterbacks, and uh, all the defensive coaches are not returning, with the exception of Slocum, who was coaching outside linebackers, right. and he may or may not coach offense or defense. He could coach just special teams, or he could coach special teams in addition to. Uh, an outside linebacker position or maybe group. a tight end okay. Uh, position. Okay. Well, that will definitely keep monitoring. Um, but before we completely shed the Todd Graham, uh, I guess, tenure, let's talk about his comments this morning on AZ Sports. So he's, he said that he probably spent – Arizona Sports. Arizona station, Sports yeah. Station, excuse me. Uh, he said that he probably spent a little bit too much time fundraising um, instead of focusing on – what's going on on the field. So what what are your thoughts on his comments? It's, these are things that I've been hearing quite a bit behind the scenes in recent weeks. Um, the uh, kind of in the rearview mirror, looking at the decisions that were made and, and how things went and why they made some miscues. And, and, and part of this is probably quite honestly, just a, a rationalizing. Um, you'd like to be able to assign mistakes that you made Mm-hmm. other things that kept you busy or that you were doing well or whatever to sort of lessen or blunt the the blow of not doing as well in those areas. Right. So I, I think that, you know, there, there, there may be a little bit of revisionist history, but what I will say is that uh, undoubtedly Graham did a better job of outreach to boosters mm-hmm. in a way that yielded more fundraising dollars, uh, commitments, support, that helped get this, the the Sun Devil Stadium project, reinvention project, uh, uh, funded, and also the the, the student athlete facility that now houses ASU football. Without Todd Graham, that stuff doesn't happen on the mm-hmm. timeline that it has happened. It may not have even happened at all. I don't know. Uh, the stadium district it was. Um, a revelation for ASU athletics, but that in and of itself didn't get it done. It really required Todd Graham getting behind it and pushing the thing with all of his might in order to get that thing rolling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, 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 and and beyond that, what I would say is even though you're not going to hear Graham say it, um, there, there is a sentiment there uh, around the edges of it that, 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 um, some of the regret or frustration is that Graham had to do those things mm-hmm. and not, it wasn't spearheaded as much by the athletic department. And, and yet that wasn't included in the calculus about whether Graham should be kept on. Like he wasn't given the benefit of the doubt necessarily this, you know, for the two lost seasons or the, you know, right. the, the, the 500 season and the, or the actually two, two lost seasons, right? Six and seven and five and right. six, um, five and seven, pardon mm-hmm. me. Um, in consideration of those things, like, um, I think he felt like he deserved a little bit more time. And he said that at the end of the, as post game comments after the Sun Bowl was my one regret is we didn't get more time. Mm-hmm. 
and now he says my another regret that he has is that he spread himself too thin and may, or maybe wore himself out with the fundraising component um, of it. And, and if you talk to uh, high-level boosters in the program, some of whom I know, um, they will say that Graham was instrumental in in their commitment and their willingness to uh, step up financially and do a lot of the things that they did. And a lot of, a lot of times, a head coach is is irreplaceable in that in that role. Like if you don't have a head coach making those sorts of outreach endeavors, mm-hmm. it, it it may not even happen. So. So Graham was great for that, and to me, that's that's going to be a huge part of his legacy at ASU, and, and he didn't get to enjoy the fruits of the labor with with all of it, which uh, is kind of a shame in, in some respects. But I understand um, his statements on this in this area, and I also would say that uh, he handled himself with extreme class. Once again, on his way out the door, um, he he said Herm Edwards is a really great guy, and. It's, and, and he thinks he'll continue the discipline program that they've mm-hmm. had at ASU, and it would take a lot to undo that. And uh, he said he's going to root for ASU to go undefeated next season, that, that he would love to see that happen. And he ended his, his final press conference with, quote-unquote, go Devils, something that has he's done now a few times uh, since he was fired and mm-hmm. gave that first press conference about it. So kudos to Todd Grant for handling this like an absolute uh, uh, um, man. And uh, and I'll remember uh, and, and uh, really give him a lot of credit for going out the way that he has gone out. Yeah. And you talk about the foundation that he's left for ASU in terms of the finances and the fundraising, but you look at what he's left for the staff coming in for Herm Edwards and co. Um, ASU could return up to nine offensive starters, uh, half of their defensive starters likely, and then you look at their kicker and punter, so special teams group two. So, Chris, really quickly, like, what do we think about the expectations for this team going into 2018 with this new coaching staff? Well, the offense is going to be further along than the defense because not only do you have the nine starters back, you have a senior quarterback and Manny Wilkins. You have four offensive line starters, Nikhil Harry, and Rob Likens knows the personnel at a, at a pretty high level. John Simon knows the personnel. So that that makes for an easier transition, even though there will be some differences on offense. I think they should be a pretty pretty good offense. And then uh, defensively, the, there's more changes. Uh, when you switch to a new defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. you have more players that you're going to have to replace. We'll see how many that number ends up being. But you're you're you know obviously Tayshawn Smallwood, Jamarcus Rhodes, those are big losses. Chad right. Adams was a starter in the secondary. DJ Calhoun is a key player at linebacker, and Christian Sam. We'll see what he does. Uh, AJ Latu in the first half of the season was actually a very good player. So um, I think the defense there's there's more that will. Uh, don't know about and more that the more that we'll have to f- sort of just watch in the spring ball and, and, and in August as far as being able to calibrate where they're at hmm. but I, I don't overall I don't think ASU really should take too much of a of a back step if at all next year I think you know it's seven and five regular season this year uh, I would have to say ASU should should do at least uh, approximately the same next year so that's sort of my that's my way of looking at it um, as we head into an offseason. All right. And as ASU continues its offseason preparations, um, you know, the big part of, you know, that's happening off the field is recruiting. Uh, again, you could check everything that's going on at sundevilsource.com as a premium subscriber. We t- 
every you check the board, it's all about recruiting. Yep. It's almost 24-7. And coaching. <laughs> and all the coaching news. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, let's talk about it, Chris. You look at this ASU recruiting class. Uh, uh, they had 11 football signees with that early signing period, and they still have one commitment in offensive lineman Hunter McGinnis. Um, the Sun Devils are expected to sign no more than 21 players in this year's class unless it plans on using scholarships that project to the 2019 group. So looking at it, we can expect them to add about seven to nine guys, um, even though we're in the middle of the dead period that is in, that doesn't end until January 11th mm-hmm. uh, before the official visit weekends uh, that occur on January 12th, January 19th, and January 26th. Uh, during those weeks, or at least in the ensuing weeks, ASU will have in-home visits as they try to solidify, you know, those seven to nine projections. So, w- what can you tell us? Uh, I guess, like, and share with us that we can further express on the premium podcast. Well, so basically, you, once you get past that dead period on mm-hmm. on January 11th, it's a it's a race to the finish line for four weeks. Uh, all the way until that first Wednesday in February, which is National Signing Day. Uh, as you said there, there'll be three official visit weekends, and in the, the weeks in between those periods, you'll have Herm Edwards and all the ASU assistant coaches uh, making in-home visits and school visits to all these um, kids that they're trying to get to commit to them and sign with mm-hmm. them. Um, ASU doesn't have a lot of work left to accomplish. Uh, we know pretty clearly where they need additional help. Uh, Donnie Ann has talked about that and the early signing period day when they announced their, their initial signees. Um, I think they did a good job, of course, with adding two junior college defensive backs, and then they added three running backs in the class, mm-hmm. right? They need, um, you know, they're pretty well set at, uh, at wide receiver. Uh, maybe they could take one more guy there. They um, would would like to have a quarterback, but just given a lot of their challenges, that may not be able to happen. Right. Uh, they would like to be able to get another offensive tackle prospect, um, and uh, I think maybe one other offensive player. And then they would like to get uh, help along their defensive front at linebacker, and then still more defensive backs and more, much more to get accomplished on the defensive defensive side of the ball than on offense. And what we're going to do, Kalen, is we're going to break all this stuff down by giving you a look not only at uh, how many scholarship players they have at each position group and how many that they should have and, and want to have on average, who their top targets are at all these positions, the guys that they're going to be trying to close on. And then we're going to be talking about the new defensive scheme and where where their existing roster players uh, make a lot of sense as far as the, the position that they'll probably play and the role that they'll have right. in the defense moving forward. Now that's all a lot more of the granular detail, you know, stuff. And if you, if you really, if you really are interested in that, uh, you want to jump in and, and check out the Sun of a source uh, premium community and all of our mm-hmm. content and everything like that. Yeah. Again, so subscribe again with us at sundevilsource.com. Um, there's even some news on ASU being involved with players that it wasn't before. Thanks to some of the new hires and such as Antonio Pierce. And you can catch all that and more, not only on our premium podcast, but again, sundevilsource.com. Get in there. <laughs> all right. And thank you ladies and gentlemen for tuning in to this week's edition of the podcast. Um, you can check us out again, sunlevelsource.com.